Welcome to Donut Talks. Connecting dots, talks worth having. These are conversations that deepen our understanding, accelerate our learning, and ignite action towards a donut economy. We are Rita Alirejo and Stefan Verveng, two former Accenture Netherlands colleagues who became friends while singing on stage in a company band. La, 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 la. Today, we are independent professionals who connect on scalable learning towards a regenerative and distributive economy, inspired by the book Donut Economics. In this podcast, we facilitate our own learning journey and we hope to bring value to yours. After the massive success of our first series in Dutch, we have decided for this series to summarize and comment on each of the chapters of the Donut Economics book in Dunglish. And in all honesty, it was not really a decision, it's just something we could not escape. Donut Economics has a planetary scope and we need to connect globally. So instead of speaking Dutch, we'll give our best Dunglish a try. Design to distribute. Rita. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's design. Let's design to distribute. Yeah, this is one of the, I think, uh, the first really more practical chapters, like our two main mm -hmm. strategies to get us all into the donut uh, economy. And one is that we have to create an economy that is distributive by design. From growth, we'll even it up again to distribute by to distributive by design. That's that's yep. the aim of the game. Yeah, and so the the old idea of no pain, no gain, uh, which Kate uses here at the start of this chapter five. Uh, the idea that, promoted by Arnold Schwarzenegger in the 80s, uh, the idea that you need to suffer in order to uh, build a beautiful body. Mm. <laughs> uh, we can let go of that idea. We should let go oh, of that, that idea. Yeah, well we should, but we also can. We can, we can, it's okay. <laughs> yes, it's better for everybody. So. But do we still want that beautiful body though? It's, uh, I don't know. Yeah, we can still get that beautiful body, but it, uh, it doesn't... Uh, mm. <laughs> now it's getting more philosophical. Because, but it we is. have to be more steady. Like I, for instance, do yoga. And with, with mm. my, uh, my teacher always says, we, we shouldn't sweat. We shouldn't perspire. We shouldn't have our heart beating too too fast. We always have to check our heartbeat because he says if you go really fast, like hold all that intermittent and high intensity training, you get big gains, but you also lose them really quickly. But if you go steady oh. and slow, you go far, and that that's also the case with um, with getting that physique. It takes much more time probably and a lot of patience. But it's better for you. That's the theory, at least. Well, you 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 do a different kind of yoga than I do, because with Bikram yoga, you, you it's hot and you do get a faster beating heart. Yeah, that's <laughs> very <you> different. <laughs> <laughs> let's not get uh -oh. let's not get into what my my uh, teacher thinks about Bikram yoga, but uh, yeah. yeah, there there well, are many anyway, different I, levels. I, uh, Kate uses this metaphor uh, of, on which we're dwelling way too long already. <laughs> already? But <laughs> there goes a half hour. <laughs> yeah, but it sounds so. It sounds so easy, you know. It's not. It's just not like Arnold Schwarzenegger said. You know, you have to suffer a little bit to to get some results. Yeah. And she's debunking that. But then, in the debunking, you can have so many ways of. Uh, <laughs> Of uh, the other way of doing uh, achieving uh, the, yeah. the results yeah, we're looking absolutely. for. So, but she sets the stage again a little bit, going back as she does in many of her chapters. So, going back to mm -hmm. to economic theory, the, the history of uh, economic theory, and we encounter uh, another uh, law yet again that uh, that the economist really embraced, and that's the uh, Kuznets curve, the inverted yep. U of the Kuznets curve. Uh, where basically the idea is that first you will have uh, an increase in inequality uh, with growth of income per capita that flattens out and then you have to decrease. So that's the, the hump that all economies have to go over before you have more of an, uh, an equitable society. So the, the, this, this hump, as you call mm -hmm. it, uh, was it 
uh, I think it was based on on research. It was, but it was a type of research because uh, when he came up with this model, he, he didn't have time series yes yet as data. So he took different types of countries and took like a snapshot of each of. So mm-hmm. he took uh, less developed countries, more developed countries, and basically combined the, that data into into the Kuznets curve. And later uh-huh. on, actually, I think quite late. Uh, I've written it down somewhere, but I don't know where anymore. But um, once they had these uh, these data series uh, and they tested the tested the model, it was basically that no 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 specific pattern emerged from it. Yes, so. the pattern was that there is no pattern. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, so it was first constructed uh, based on uh, well an approach uh, that that fitted the means of the time, mm-hmm. but uh, and and it seemed like a likely theory that uh, if the income per capita uh, uh, grows, it may inequality may rise at first, but as long as long as the income per capita keeps growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, inequality eventually will fall down again. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, and his right? and his logic, which was more, like also not very founded on uh, on research, was that because of the migration from rural um, from rural lands to urban cities, um, oh, yes. the the inequality uh, got higher because his he, he stated, but that that was debunked later on. Well, actually, it was just not true that he said in rural economies there was less inequality, and when when you move to the city, you got more differentiation in types of jobs, and therefore also a bigger inequality in terms of pay. Mm-hmm. But so that mm-hmm. wasn't that also wasn't true. And another theory that she mentions, which which also. Um, uh, feed it in this whole feed it uh, fed this whole idea of um, uh, inequality is something that we have to accept is the Pareto principle the 80 20 yeah. rule where she basically says you know 80 percent of the income is uh, well he said 80 percent of the income is with 20 percent of the people and 20 percent of the income is with the with the other 80 percent of the people so there's this social pyramid but it's this is a fact of life this is just how human nature works you just have different types of people and to to so to actually um, um, make uh, make sure that uh, that the bottom uh, part or people with less income uh, uh, improve their lives you have to grow the economy so it's just we have to increase the pie and that, that also then you know fuel yeah. this whole uh so economies must grow so that everybody can rise to a higher level higher standard of living yeah and let's see this this uh, kutznet's curve becomes uh inverted in a uh, in a Oh, the, it, it is an inverted mm-hmm. U. Yeah, that's right. So the, it is still, it's the hump only, yeah. right? There are some variants. If you if you st- start looking for Kutznet's curve on the internet, you find all, uh, a couple of varieties, uh, of, of a variety of, of images, but she uses just one. Oh, okay. I haven't looked, uh, I think, I haven't right? looked yeah. into that uh, yet. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, I think also so one, one part that's... Um, she also mentions in in the beginning and and that's throughout the chapter also when she discusses some of the things that we could redesign is this uh, this whole concept of um, uh, you have labor that that generates income you have assets or land mostly and capital that generates some kind of interest and so those are the those are the things that are you know that create value and the whole question the whole design question is how are how is how is that distributed and how yeah. how is the value that derives from these means uh, determined you know and so that's mm-hmm. that's I think the the big topic uh, throughout this uh, this whole chapter yeah and at that point she also. Uh, brings into memory the research done by Thomas Piketty, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, he made the point of by asking not just who earns what but who owns what. 
he distinguished two kinds of households, those that own capital, such as land, housing, and financial assets that generate rent, dividends, and interest, and the households that own only labor, uh, their own labor, which only generates wages, mm -hmm. yeah. which is uh, quite different. Yeah. Uh, and in uh, Piketty uh, clearly stated that uh, the, the, the households that uh, benefit from uh, uh, capital gains uh, are clearly uh, in the advantage. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. He, and he links it also to so the return to capital and also later on in the chapter the return on labor, which is income. How is it tied to the? How, how does it compare to the growth of the economy as a whole? So what what he he's been seeing in his data and research is this, that the economy grows, but the return to capital has actually tended to grow faster than the economy as a whole. Yes. And so that yes, that leads to the concentration of wealth, uh, uh, to uh, uh, with people that hold capital. Yeah. So, and then she moves on to why inequality matters. And she uh, mm -hmm. basically talks more about all these, these types of research. But um, and so, uh, actually, she, de she debunks most of the research that, that, um, that was mentioned before. Because uh, actually, she, she mentions that when, when societies become more... Uh, uh, become less equal, so the inequality grows. That actually, it's it's bad for democracy. It 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 leads to ecological degradation. <clears throat> it also leads to e economic instability. So yes, there 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 are lots of reasons uh, to to try and correct this and try to design systems that do not lead to inequality. Yeah, and it's and, and she also makes the the clear reference to a statement for done by Al Gore uh, once that uh, uh, he, who stated that the American democracy has been hacked uh, and that the hack is campaign finance. Mm -hmm. So if if you uh, are uh, you know uh, benefiting from capital gains um, and through that accumulate massive. Uh, amounts of capital even more mm -hmm. uh, uh, that becomes your passport into uh, politics yeah. Yeah. Um, but there, therefore also excluding those that do not uh, have those uh, sources of income available yeah exactly and, 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 and because it is policy it is a design question so it's not a law it's not like and the, the supply and demand curve and the Kuznets curve, th those are not laws. We have to we have to come to terms with that, uh, you know, economic behavior and economic system d depend on the policies that, um, that, that make the system work the way it works. And because it is a policy, it is political. And because it is political, you have these hacks with people in, in, uh, with power and with, with money. Uh, influencing that political system. Yeah, and uh, it's even uh, may not be in the the benefit of uh, the wealthiest people uh, to to have a fragile uh, uh, democracy, mm -hmm. uh, because actually economic growth in the traditional sense is also held back uh, by uh, if society is more fragile yeah. uh, because of all this e inequality. And this was researched by the IMF, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think she makes the point, you know, even, even making, uh, keeping inequality the way it is, is really only a short-term benefit. It can't be a long-term solution because... Uh, the economy uh, grows slower uh, with more inequality and the ecologic, uh, ecological damage is also much bigger with more inequality. So we all have, uh, we should all be motivated to work towards uh, a more equal society. Yeah, yeah. So she, uh, for, based on this uh, exposition of ideas, she basically states that uh, the growing the economy in in, in this old old way uh, is is she equates that to the, the, the no pain no pain uh, no pain no gain uh, approach yeah. uh, 
which uh, she wants to uh, change mm -hmm. uh, by basically saying that we should have a more distributive, uh, distributive, distributively designed economy. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, uh, and the picture for that that we have to keep in mind is the the network. And learning yep. from nature as well, because nature is remarkably good at distributing energy, matter, information and knowledge. So we should learn from that and uh, build our structures uh, and systems the same way. Yep, and design principles from nature uh, that she draws from are... Uh, the branching... Diversity... Diversity and distribution. Yeah. Yeah. So she talks about the, the branching fractals as well. And uh, so, you know, uh, you, you have the fractals that repeat each uh, re repeat uh, on different scales and different levels, small and large. And so that, that's how you get a whole network of different nodes. And this network... Um, um, is uh, there's this network balances it so in this part is really linked to the to the last chapter as well which was around systems thinking uh, but you will always have this balance of uh, on the one hand uh, efficiency so that's more um, aimed at uh, uh, streamlining things and being efficient so perhaps you know moving moving energy matter and information to bigger nodes but then you also need this resilience in the system and you need and therefore you need uh, to build in or to have this redundancy and diversity in a system so that you have yep. alternative connections that can move uh, energy, matter and information in alternative ways when, when yes. there's a system disruption or, or, or part of a system breaks. Yeah, very much the way uh, the internet was yeah. designed. Yeah. Yeah, um, so let's see, uh, from here on she, she comes up with a whole bunch of, uh, you could say, politically charged uh, ideas, mm -hmm. right? She, 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 she starts to th talk about redesigning a whole bunch of things uh, and, and basically, uh, well, and these are not small matters, right? It's all about uh, redistributing income uh, and wealth. Mm -hmm. Uh, also, uh, sort of wealth accumulated in the past. Um, yeah, I, I, I feel this part of the book, or just this whole strategy, is the is the most important. I feel for for mm. for me, it's it's what for me makes a difference between uh, just talking about the circular economy and talking about a donut economy. If people ask me what's the difference, I say the, the donut economy also talks about a distributive economy far more with much more emphasis and and actually the 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 things that she mentions in this chapter are huge and so therefore she also at certain points she talks you know she she does she is well very well aware that we we at a certain point she also wrote that we need to change the operating system the heart the heart of the system but it's that's that's something that we can't do on the on the short uh, term you know, it's that's a long game. So we also have to start with uh, with just the grassroots things and just you know, the experimentation. And so she she sometimes she knows these are very big topics. And so so what are these big topics? She talks about so who owns the land, who makes your money, mm -hmm. uh, who owns your labor. The, uh, uh, what about who owns the, technology? Who owns technology and who owns ideas? So those are yeah. those are big things, but she does uh, touch upon each of them, uh, also with with the work that's been done by other researchers as well. So they're they're again not new, but they're sticky, <laughs> very sticky. So um, yeah, yeah, and I think you know some some things are are are, are very practical uh, and 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 you know drawn from from daily. Uh, you can you can observe it daily in the news. Mm -hmm. For instance, uh, the the owning of the land, uh, including some of the houses built on top of mm -hmm. them, uh, the, to this very day, this is the the one uh, the most reliable source of uh, growth of of cap for for capital. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you have a lot of money, 
uh, and you want that money not to vaporize yeah. uh, <laughs> and you wanted your so that to grow mm-hmm. you basically buy real estate yeah what what i think used to be land grab and perhaps almost all the land has been grabbed now it's real estate grabbed now right it's uh, yeah uh, i like the mark twain quote she has, she 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 uh, has there uh he's, his quote is buy land they're not making it anymore <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good one. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and it's and it's a yeah. tough question. It's a tough question because uh, you know I can imagine if you're a landowner, you're like I don't want to hear this, and mm-hmm. and if you're not a landowner, you're like but we need to discuss this, right? Yeah. There's also another quote. I think this was from uh, Lewis, or at least somebody in the chapter that she mentions, and it says you know uh, the equal right of all men. Uh, to use uh, the land is um, is as dear as the equal right to breathe the air, you know. So why is air still free, fortunately, but land isn't? And isn't it just as necessary for us to live and thrive? You know, it's a it's a it's a it's a big moral question, I think. Yeah. I think this was a, a she. This quote that you just mentioned comes from a historic effort to change this dynamic, wasn't it? Uh, I I think I've missed that. Yeah, uh, it's uh, yeah. So I I put him. I put a a, a documentary about Hen- Henry George on yes, Henry the George. on the wiki to mm-hmm. to just look up and watch uh, because uh, yeah, at least part of the documentary said this was actually one that a a a, a man. It was really popular in a sense you know has this, had the same popularity as mark twain for instance mm-hmm. but also lived in that era and he was for this uh one one system tax if i'm if i'm correct the single the tax, single it's tax. Called. exactly that was yeah. it yeah the single mm-hmm. tax um because he realized you know uh, so so this this was for him a, a means to to have a more systemic fix uh, it says here, land, he believed, should be owned in common by a community rather than by landowners. Mm. And that's that's when the quote comes. So the equal right of all men to the use of land, he wrote, is as clear as their equal right to breathe the air. Um, so that that was the, the, yeah, the text that he wanted to... Yeah. Wow, yeah, so the, the ownership of land, it's it's uh, obviously contested area, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> quite we, literally. Yeah, <laughs> I don't see that one changing. Although, I, I, I might, you know, you do see uh, perhaps uh, cooperatives, you know, so that's that's one way, uh, that's one way of new organization, of course. So people together in a group buying land that's available or buying land from, from old landowners, perhaps. So that's, that's, that could be a way to, uh, to, to perhaps change. Um, and I think also in that sense, philanthropy, you know, people that have a lot of money that are buying huge, like for instance, with the nature pr- preservation, a lot of people are also buying land in a sense to just keep keep protect nature in that sense. So that that I think could also lead into giving it back to to society or giving it back to community. But that that yeah, might be I my think, hope. <laughs> well, I think uh, already current uh, legislation for uh, landgoederen yeah. estates is that uh, in order to to ha- uh, receive certain benefits mm-hmm. uh, from the state for in uh, for taxes you have to open your estate for public uh, use mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that uh, people can walk around on it and, and things like that yeah. so you basically provide a forest yeah um, yeah so but but yeah these are historic uh, approaches to um, land ownership mm-hmm. and taxation yeah and so then the second question she mentioned is who makes your money? Which yeah. is uh, pretty... Well, banks, yeah, banks uh, make your money. Commercial banks make your money. Spoiler alert. I must say, <laughs> I must say that uh, 10 years ago, or no, maybe more, 15 years ago, uh, this is a, a thought that, that never crossed my mind. Mm. Like, you know, money is money. Yes, we, we changed to the euro at some point. Yeah. So, okay, now it's European money. Yeah. 
But over time, uh, it became clear that there uh, many uh, you, you can have many types of currencies yeah. uh, uh, that allow you to do different things. And she mentions, I, I wrote down three categories. Uh, so she has, she mentions central bank currencies, mm -hmm. complementary com uh, uh, community currencies. So that that may not be the main currency of a nation. But it could be a currency that within a community where you live it could allow you to get certain services, perhaps education mm -hmm. or maybe some food. Uh, and then there is also uh, the, the area of cryptocurrency, mm -hmm. uh, uh, really building on the, uh, on the uh, technology that is emerging more and more. Yeah, this is definitely an, an, an interesting field, I think, mo uh, moving forward where a lot, a lot will happen. Um, mm. but but the, the main thing uh, I think also is what, what you started with is just this awareness and to create this awareness with more and more people you know she, she yeah. starts the, this, this subchapter also with you know it's like we are fish that have never noticed the water it's, it's what yeah. you say you know we, we are just so used with money and using it and that we need it and you know it's, it's an yeah. everyday thing but where does it come from and what's what's the function and so if we also want to redesign money we have to think about what the design principles here are again you know how is it created what character is it given how how do you how do we use it those are all questions that we need to to ask and to then move towards a more a more of a financial ecosystem instead of a monetary monoculture exactly yeah. yes yes yeah yeah, and I think it's it's super interesting. It's also very confusing. <laughs> uh, it's it, things are changing so rapidly. Uh, also, the the you know the these big interventions like quantitative easing, mm -hmm. the that are affecting uh, some of the foundations of of how um, finance is organized. For instance, in the Netherlands, the 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 new round of quantitative easing started by the European Central Bank. Um, is 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 the, our pension fund system? It's basically uh, you know experiencing a, a sort of an earthquake mm -hmm. <laughs> because of that. Uh, the rug is being pulled uh, from under that system. Um, since the Netherlands is the only country in the European Union that has such a pension fund system, mm. um, if I'm informed correctly. Yeah, I don't know. So, I don't know too much about it, but it it's an it it is an interesting topic because I think one of the points that she makes here as well is just um, it's really linked to just the financial system and the financial sector. You know, there's there's mm -hmm. this there's this widening gap of um, having assets and um, and increasing the the price of those assets versus real real value creation in the real economy and the, mm -hmm. and the bigger the financial financial sector in a sense gets you know also getting back to i think it was chapter two the the whole function of all the different roles of the economy there she also mm -hmm. said that the we have to we have to make the financial sector be of service of the real economy and not a thing in itself you know this this whole this whole dynamic thing in itself where people just outbid each other because they they just want to spend money and they just want assets to increase in value because it's not linked to to actual productive power of the economy so and that's the the yeah. big the big danger of what you see happening with with just the classic quantitative easing is that central central banks banks then um uh they borrow money from or they give they lend money to banks or, or this is actually quite complicated i need to really it is. read it. it but so so uh it it allows uh banks to to put out more credits and that's basically uh, uh money creation but then that credit yeah. that credit that money is not used in real productive investments it doesn't get well to what, one uh, yeah one effect is that because more money becomes available, yeah. uh, that money starts to seek investments yeah. uh, in order for the, the the money supply to grow. Yeah. But uh, it 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 start it in that seeking of investment, it'll it will also flow to bad investments. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, which can create new bubbles. Yeah, it and 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 it mostly is actually uh, put in those those type of bubble investments, let's say, and only part of it. I think she mentioned a few statistics as well in that in that chapter, but really only a small part of it is 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 getting into this uh, productive. Uh, uh, economy and so that's why she also talked and discussed things like people quantitative people's QE right yeah, people's quantitative easing and green quantitative easing which in, in the first case people's quantitative easing is is instead of going via banks just go directly to household and give give them money <laughs> that they could perhaps you know uh, use to to lessen their debt or to to do something other uh, so, so, something else that that's productive and the green quantitative easing is work through uh, state banks for instance that invest with uh, with just a, a low int- interest loan for instance in in like real projects that help the community Instead of the housing market, the stock market, you know, putting, you know, uh, increasing the prices in those, uh, in those uh, sectors with with no real value to show for it, apart from yeah. apart from the price increase that then just yeah. benefits the ones that that bought something at the right time. But in any case, she she clearly is a promotes the idea of state led monetary well redesign. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, if the state having a very active role in the design of that financial ecosystem. Yeah. Um, and that's interesting. Also knowing that you know corporate players are uh, uh, moving in that field as well. Uh, and I think we mentioned it uh, as well in, in uh, the last uh, recording we did, did on this chapter, but the Facebook Libra coin, uh, of course, is one example in this area. Yeah, 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 it's, it's going to be uh, an interesting uh, thing. But she also says, yep. she also says, uh, you know, the state should, should um, especially later on when she talks about you know how to how to basically unleash that that power of the of the commons that the commons mm-hmm. should be supported the way in the beginning markets were supported by government and so the commons also should have this partner state uh, that that supports a community uh, commons in in certain ways and she uh, actually mentions five five ways the state could help so one is teaching which i really love it was teaching social mm-hmm. entrepreneurship problem solving and collaboration um uh, the other was the second one was uh, the public license so not have this uh, uh, and it, it ties ties also to the third one which is rolling back corporate ip claims then support community makerspaces as the fourth way to to support uh, the commons and and finally spread the spread of civic organization, which all, which are all things that could be supported by the by the government to create a more sturdy uh, commons uh, part yeah. of the economy. I like that idea. Uh, uh, now that I hear you say it in that way, uh, that's uh, I I haven't read it uh, to like that up to now, but that sounds. Like a good idea, actually. Yeah, she talks about <laughs> it at uh, who owns the ideas part. Right, it's later it's on. Later on, yeah. later on. Yeah, I'm skipping. I'm skipping yeah. too. I'm skipping. Who owns your labor, and who mm. owns the robots, which uh, are also very interesting questions, especially with with labor. It's it's basically the the idea of who owns enterprise for uh, mm-hmm. a lot of. Um, she at a certain point says it's it's so strange that people that go to their work day by day a day each day and they 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 are they are regarded as almost as outsiders like they they, they are just the cost that has to be minimized whereas yeah, a human resource yeah whereas whereas shareholders that perhaps not even set foot in a factory or an office of a certain company they are the most important ones and they we all have to maximize their return which is a little bit odd right mm-hmm. so i i think that you all that, that definitely resonated with me that uh, so she basically says says we should we should strive for more uh, employee uh, ownership of companies and also more type of uh, corporates co- corporations you know societies that um, where just groups of people uh, hold uh, the uh, the ownership of the enterprise. Mm. 
Yeah, and and she uh, she mentions two things I uh, like there. For uh, she she states that for enterprise to be inherently distributive of the value it creates, mm-hmm. two design principles are particularly key. Yeah. Uh, one rooted membership. Yeah. Uh, and two stakeholder finance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that together flip the dominant ownership model on its head. Yeah, exactly. Well, couldn't agree more. <laughs> mm. Yeah, but rooted membership is something that uh, can only grow over time. Yeah, I think it can grow with, with new new enterprise. You know, so so mm-hmm. people that are, are creating businesses now, I think, or already have more of a social entrepreneurial perspective. Like the newer types of companies and, and, and hopefully I think they will look at these design principles as well because I think it is the way to move forward to to not, you know, you see it also with a lot of, I think, startups now that, that just go, some get trapped in this whole venture capitalist uh, funding yeah. and then immediately already in their early years, they just have to, have to uh, work according to these uh, old models, let's say, and they just have to please the their their venture capitalists that want an exit and instead of going for that exit they could also choose an up to do more do more bootstrapping you know build via community build fire via your customer base so we have more this this um stakeholder approach of financing and and there is still room for capital you know it's it's also something that uh, that perhaps we still can't imagine but instead of having uh, uh, shares instead of having stocks have bonds so instead of having uh, shareholders buy shares and increasingly wanted that share wanting that share price to go up they just uh, get financing through uh, issuing bonds that just give a, a steady return just a fixed return yep. So instead of, oh, you know, every shareholder wants the maximization of the shareholder return. So, you know, and and also uh, the the cost of equity is higher than the cost of of borrowing. So if we could could, um, change that as well, I think that that would also be um, a good way forward. A, uh, and a very nice example in the Netherlands here is uh, we received uh, in the mail last weekend a prospectus from a company called Fastnet. Mm-hmm. Do you know Fastnet? It sounds familiar. What What is it exactly? Well, they are, uh, they are rolling out a grid for charging electric vehicles oh, right. uh, along highways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and they're building these uh, quote-unquote pumping stations. Mm-hmm. Uh, right next to the uh, traditional petrol uh, stations. And they're doing this internationally as well. But this prospectus was uh, offering bonds Mm -hmm. uh, with a, I think it was almost uh, a 5% uh, dividend Mm -hmm. uh, for a five-year period. It's exactly as she states here. Uh, but and it's a case, I guess, of stakeholder finance Absolutely. because in this way, you yeah. know, you, you can have a return on your money. Yeah. There is a risk associated yeah. if the company goes bust. Yeah. Uh, you know, you may lose your money. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can also, you know, uh, put some of the your, your savings into uh, in a company mm-hmm. that you help to grow and develop. Uh, and you may have a stake in the result of having uh, an electric uh, g- grid yeah. for charging electric vehicles. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and I, I, I like that idea. I think it's it's a very good example of stakeholder finance. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, well, I'm not sure if it's rooted membership, but, you know, if you're a user of, of that grid... Mm. Uh, you know, it might also be a way of. Well, in a, in a uh, sense, also the 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 providers of capital in this in this case, so via a bond, become in that sense more of a member, an equal member. Yeah. You know, you they have, have skin in the game. Yeah, they're they're yeah. just you know they're more connected. They're in the game. They're they're. Um, it, it's 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 more equal instead of okay all these all these stakeholders are a certain cost on the balance sheet and then the residual is the value for the st- for the shareholder 
that's mm. that's very skewed towards the shareholder yeah. as being the, yeah. the the most important stakeholder and that's just not the case so yeah. i i really like this this type of financing i'm really excited about seeing yeah. that that clearer connection also if you buy a bond and so if you issue a uh, if you issue as a company a bond it's for a clear funding goal you know you can say okay we're well, we're, we're going to do this this is the funding that we need uh, if you give us the funding, you get this return. It's much easier than, for instance, what actually is quite, I, I still, I, I had to think about it this week, actually, to, to go back perhaps and understand it better. But if a, if a company issues stock, then yes, there's this clear mandate. If you There's this clear intention of, of getting uh, money out of the market to fund your product projects, right? Because you're issuing stock and, and the, the, that stock is then bought. Like for instance, in the beginning with an IPO or later on, if you issue more stock, you get money. That's the way to actually get funding. But if- Yes, and and those providing capital uh, get influence in the in the governance yeah. of the uh, of of the entity. Yeah, they they get they also get influence. So that's that's also uh, another thing. But but once you have issued the stock, and so and then the first shareholder sells it to the second shareholder. That second shareholder is not the one that gave that money direct that gives his or her money directly to the company. It's not a direct relationship mm-hmm. anymore. That second mm-hmm. shareholder gives yeah, a fund yeah. to the first shareholder, who then has 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 uh, capitalized on a gain, hopefully for him or her. Right. Well, but th- this is true. If 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 companies are are listed as publicly traded, when they are listed companies. as publicly traded, when when yeah, when they yeah. have stock to 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 trade. Yeah, but uh, stocks can be also opname. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can they can be either uh, anonymous or or uh, you can also be sh- just a shareholder in a company without. Ha- listing a company on a but, stock and then exchange. it goes the same way. If you if you would want to then sell your stock, if you were allowed to by the bylaws. It, it would be money that would go to you as a shareholder, not to the company. So Yes, but the relationship, in terms of relationship, you do have a, a non-anonymous direct relationship with the company. Um, yeah. Because, yes, you are listed as a... Well, okay, I think it's, it's different from, from being listed on a stock exchange because there uh, you have no... Uh, you know, you, you can act as a, an anonymous entity uh, when you buy stocks. It's, it's different. Anyway... <laughs> I think yeah, I thought it, it was is, relevant. It is to different, uh, but yeah. the, the two main things. So, how does the money flow? For mm-hmm. my point is, if you if it's if 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 stocks or shares also are sold between traders, so between mm-hmm. shareholders, all that all that value creation or destruction is within the group of shareholders. It has yes. nothing to do with the company anymore. Well, the company is also a shareholder. Is is a sh- it can be a shareholder, but not well, always. Well, is is yeah, but well. well if the, the company uh, will keep a, a supply of its own stock, right? Not all the stocks are traded. No, not all the stocks are traded, but the the uh, so the money is already has already been given to the company. I just want to make the difference between the first line of issuing and trading mm-hmm. of stocks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, okay. Uh, well, this is a very, you know, a, a rabbit hole to dive into mm-hmm. because the uh, one of the underlying ideas, I think, of having uh, publicly traded stocks is that if you have a market for those stocks, uh, then again, you you know, it's a way of establishing a price point for, uh, w- or and uh, getting a valuation of what the company is worth. Uh, so when a, 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 the company issues new stock mm-hmm. and uh, the the um, the uh, the value of the stocks have has gone up. The price point has gone up. The, you know they will get much more money yeah, uh, for for an additional yeah. round of uh, uh, of issuing yeah. stocks on the, to the market. So it's a, just a very different mechanism. <laughs> it is, yeah. and it, and for me, uh, the point I wanted to make is that there's just more of a disconnect. Whereas with, with yeah yeah with, yeah yeah. With bonds, because of its Clearly. fixed, you know, the, the, the value mechanisms of, of, of uh, shares, I feel, tend to be more of a disconnect with, with where the value actually lands. And so yeah. with bonds, it lands, you know, perhaps more because of the fixed uh, fee. 
uh, it lands more with just the company itself, and then there's not. Yeah, it's a, a bond. It basically is a loan, right? So I mean, the, the bonds can also change in values. You get it also depending on whether you know the 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 company is still able to repay a bond. A, a bond can also reduce in value because a company might be in bad weather and therefore maybe mm. not able to uh, to pay back a bond. But it's it's less volatile. Then, yeah, then, uh, but I think the, the 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 example of a bond. It's interesting that we're we're really zooming in on this particular <laughs> yeah. uh, instrument. But I think I think there is something there though, because uh, learning a bit from that Fastnet case, mm. um, you know, they have uh, the, these electricity charging stations. Uh, they have they have been building those uh, for for years already. Uh, but now they really need to expand. Also, now that uh, electronic uh, electric vehicles are really taking mm-hmm. off, uh, and so they need to expand. They need capital. Uh, they for in a, to a lar- in a large extent they are repeating things that they have done before. They mm-hmm. know the business they're in. Yeah. Uh, so they really just need, you know, capital mm-hmm. to to expand in that way. But uh, but by issuing bonds, they can also involve society yeah. uh, much more, uh, and 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 by that, not just attracting uh, money, mm-hmm. but also I think uh, getting well, winning more support. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Right. Yeah, I think getting yeah, more yeah. people on board. Yeah. So for network, yeah, for networks, uh, since we're talking about distributive design, uh, I think particularly for networks that can be very interesting to to think like that, right? Right. If you have a uh, established uh, uh, something that works, Mm -hmm. and a small scale, and now can become more valuable if that small scale replicates and spreads. Mm -hmm. uh, For that, you may need uh, well. A lot of money, but uh, a lot of uh, attracting a lot of money m- does not necessarily have to mean that you have to sell out. Yeah, absolutely. I think also the, just the whole uh, phenomenon of crowd uh, funding is based on this. You don't have to. You can go directly to people. I think that that's the the beauty of this this era, and and what we see now is more traditional instruments. Uh, uh, developing or evolving more to to these type of di- more distributive ways of connecting different different people. You know, you don't have to be a big bank to to invest or, or just a big investor. You can just uh, group a lot of small investors and 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 get the same result when it comes to your you know your 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 cash demand or your your money demand in that sense. So so uh, you know I. I Perhaps you know I the the term prosumer is used in this chapter. So there's this, this yeah. the distinction between producers and consumers is 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 uh, reducing. We can we can take assume the role of producer and consumer at the same time, and and being more more maybe more in in a, in a more holistic way. In the end, we we can also be capitalist you know we can we can have all these different roles we can we can i, I like to think of that in, I, I don't necessarily invest in companies and stuff, but i do invest in projects that i want to see i do spend in in things that i uh, i want to see more of so being more familiar also with you know not just being as a person not just being as an individual not just being a consumer uh, being more familiar with your role as a producer and, and, and using your creativity. I think this this will also evolve further in being more savvy with investing. You know? Yes, we have yeah. to. Yes, I think if, uh, yeah, it, it really uh, goes hand in hand, yeah. I think. Yeah, because it's uh, that uh, the, 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 the mechanism, I think uh, using the word mechanism uh, m- makes me hesitant because I'm thinking, ah, is it still mechanical? But I'm afraid it still is. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to think about it differently. But it's really about, okay, what, what is the construct that we use to relate to our field of stakeholders? Yeah. Uh, and that still has some mechanical aspects to it. Yes, it's a relational thing. Mm-hmm. It's a social phenomenon. Um, but in the end, you do provide a prospectus that is according to certain laws yeah. that uses a certain technology to make it available. Uh, to me, it's still that particular part still feels very much like a mechanism. 
Yeah, but also perhaps maybe relationships, you know, in that sense, they, 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 you know, where she starts, I think, somewhere in uh, in trying to define what, what money is. Money is just a social mm-hmm. contract. Yeah, yeah, it and is. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, yeah. there is an enabling technology mm-hmm. uh, in many cases. So this, it could be like a paper note mm-hmm. <laughs> or it could be your Ethereum blockchain yeah. or something. Yeah, but, but for advanced. me, what I wanted to say is even that social contract is a mechanism. It is a set of rules. It is. It's part yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah, it's part of it. So, yeah, interesting, interesting. So, but then also she has the question, who will own the robots? Uh, so where she talked about, you know, the collaboration and of course the, the digital economy, peer-to-peer economy, where we go to zero marginal cost, there might actually also be the case of the zero humans required for production society. And uh, Yeah, I think in a way, the, you know, I, I, when I wrote, read that part, I was thinking of the time with the uh, Ford and his um, lope in the bond, mm-hmm. you know, the, the mass production yeah. of automobiles. Conveyor belt. The conveyor belt, thank you. Um, you know, in a way, this is certainly not new, not the sentiment. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is, uh, of course, um, um, unearthing yeah. <laughs> uh, existing uh, labor relationships. Yeah, and, and just the, the pace of change, you know, because this is a yeah. very quick pace of change on the technology side, but on the human side, we are just not uh, adapting quickly enough. So somewhere along the line, there will be this conflict where where jobs might be disappearing and, and we, we don't have, uh, we, we haven't moved as a, as, a, as a society, as a group together towards these new jobs. I mean, there is the promise yeah. and she does say, you know, we have very innate human qualities that will always be uh, where, yeah. where there will always be a demand for like creativity and insight and con- human empathy. human touch, empathy. Uh, yeah. And I do really believe that. But again, there, I, I also do see that the, the shift of change of these, these two sides, the humans, the human side and the technology part are not in sync with each other. So there, there is yeah. something that we need to do in that front. Yeah, and and, and uh, she writes that uh, you know many jobs can be replaced by uh, software or w- will p- become in part or entirely replaced by software. What she doesn't mention, and that this is something I, I recently heard, is that also the uh, the jobs for writing software mm-hmm. are quite eligible for uh, replacement by the advancement of artificial intelligence. Yeah. Particularly writing software. Uh, so, which is kind of interesting because, well, it really <laughs> then is the question what is it that you need to do with these machines to make them function in a way <laughs> that, uh, you know, how, how do we interface with them? I'm quite curious about that, but it's, it's not just that the programmers will be the ones who will end up on top. I don't think so. No. I don't think so either. And also, I just, I don't know. And maybe that's just personal, my personal preference. I also see a lot around me and in me in terms of what what I want to have. That that goes back to things like, you know, uh, craftsmanship and and Mm -hmm. unique products and handmade. You know, that's also a trend that I feel is, is, is on the rise because it does give this humanity to products that we want to see. I feel right, and it's yeah, but also to the to the people crafting yeah, those products. Yeah, again, and there's yeah, there's there's a lot. I think for me at least, there's there's a lot of it. It it, it also weighs into my decision if I want to purchase something. You know, is it, do do I do I like the company? Do I like the person? It, it yeah. is. Those are very uh, yeah personal and human preferences. I feel. Yeah. I think yeah. the the language is also shifting in this uh, because as we, as we say you know things are moving fast mm-hmm. the the term artificial intelligence here in the Netherlands now uh, in in some government funding uh, uh, programs that I'm, um, I'm you know I'm reading some news articles about uh, they're now speaking of hybrid intelligence because this word artificial yeah. uh, seems to suggest that you're replacing a certain types of intelligence. Whereas hybrid is more about, you know, uh, humans and machines collaborating. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, that that is really the more interesting uh, 
focal point. Yeah, true. Yeah, good thing. Again, interesting yeah. to follow language, uh, <laughs> uh, the evolution of language. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. because it's telling it's of the, of the purpose yeah. uh, that's being pursued. Yeah. Anyway, and then uh, Mariana Mazzucato comes along, yeah. right, with the uh, the risk, the state as a risk taker in innovation. Yeah, and that and and why things like a basic income or uh, um, what what else does she call it? Like to to justify that um, uh, we we might want to tax more, uh, you know, companies that that use that are like. Uh, digital monopolies or things like that you know because the state has been invested in a lot of these um well not so new anymore but a lot of new technology that has been used uh, by commercial companies to get to get uh, the the market share and the power that they that they have now for instance the googles and the, the facebook and the apples and the amazons of these world they the silicon six the silicon <laughs> six oh okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> good one uh, but so the, the, there is a rationale to to get some of that earnings back to the public because the state has been taking these risks in the beginning um, yeah robot dividend she also mentions in this chapter so yeah all for that too <laughs> so this, I do feel like in this chapter again there are like oh, many ideas, many ideas that are already in the works, many ideas that perhaps need some more fine-tuning, but we could, if we want to work on this, this part of the donut economy, uh, we have yeah, enough of I a starting say, point to, to get to get. Oh, busy. certainly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I must say that if you, if you work with uh, the donut, let's say, mm. uh, if you put it like that, that... Uh, there, there's no escape, I think, from from entering a, one or a couple of rabbit holes. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, some pieces of the the, the pie of of the donut. Yeah. Uh, and now and then, uh, for for getting the bigger picture again, mm -hmm. you may have to resurface and, uh, you know, reevaluate what you're doing. Yeah. But since the stuff she describes is so broad mm -hmm. and so fundamental to the way society is organized. Mm -hmm. Um, there's no way that in your working life yeah. you will have the same broad view as what she's describing. No, there's no way. That wouldn't make sense. <laughs> and there, and no. and again, you know, and there, and and therefore, there we need to cooperate, co collaborate, and um. So again, you know, this 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 whole quote of uh, we need to change the heart of the operating operating system. If we begin there, we will fail. So we have to start with what's doable. What we can and and what what's and what we can enliven, enliven, enliven. yeah, make come, yeah, yeah, breathe yeah. life into, uh, yeah. make come alive, exactly, and then work towards bigger wins in the future. So lots to do, lots to do. <laughs> so what part, <laughs> what part does in so in terms of bucket list? I don't know if we can close this. Uh, this chapter, or do you want to also mention some things about the last part, the going global? Well, uh, I listened to uh, the, the glo going global part just before we started recording. Mm -hmm. And my understanding is that uh, she sees uh, the, the fact that global companies can escape taxation yeah. now through all sorts of loopholes. Mm -hmm. Uh, will end. Yeah. The very fact that that is possible, uh, because there is no global taxation scheme, um, she 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 predicts, I guess, mm -hmm. that that will end simply because it has to, mm -hmm. and she equates that with the abolishing of uh, slavery, or mm -hmm. uh, the introduction of. Uh, uh, voting rights for women. Mm -hmm. um, some ideas at some point, uh, you know, they, they, they just have yeah. to happen. Their time has come. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, she, and she, yeah, global taxes. Uh, well, it, it just, I, it, I don't horizon. think it's just, I know, hmm, yeah, global tax might be, yeah. Uh, because how, because it's not just not something you can enforce as one government alone. 
No, I'm, so who's going to do yeah. that? <laughs> well, because I'm thinking of like, for instance, of course, the the elections are coming up next year again for the United States, and a lot of, uh, well, some of the Democratic, uh, no, uh, contenders are are running on the basis of taxing companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, you know, so but that's still within the 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 national boundaries it, of the yeah. United so States. exactly. So you know, if if you are so the 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 biggest example, of course, Amazon, lots of profit, zero tax. But mm-hmm. how how do you enforce a company like Amazon? It could easily say, you know, our headquarters. We are not an American company, or we, yeah, well. But that goes into policies, and it's it's not it's just not my area. But I I do well, think yeah. It, Perhaps national national governments can create policies. Maybe maybe it's quite related to. I think you know uh, even on the news today, mm-hmm. you know there there's the, the, there's this uh, the UNEP report, right? The United Nations Emissions Gap mm-hmm. uh, report. So that uh, although there is this Paris deal yeah. uh, for and the global goals that uh, we we are really on the wrong track, right? Okay. I mean uh, yeah. the the news is uh, repeating. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but at some point, uh, more is needed than what has been done to date. Yeah. And it, uh, this Paris Accord was also adopted by nation states. It was not global law mm-hmm. uh, imposed on, 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 on countries. Yeah. Co- countries adopted principles from the accord yeah. in their national policies yeah. and maybe uh, i'm just fantasizing yeah. here but maybe this idea of global taxation yeah. could work in a similar way and i think actually the the carbon tax uh, um, approach is actually in the kyoto protocol mm-hmm. is maybe an example of this yeah, yeah definitely yeah i think i think but, at but least it's not focused it's a, it's, on redistributing wealth no not yet but the time has come. <laughs> <laughs> you make it sound so exciting, Lita. <laughs> but the time has come also to, for to wrap us. up this chapter. Yeah. Yes. So bucket list. What is your item oh, yeah. on the bucket list? Oh, okay. Well, that's very practical. Because as I said, you know, uh, it's impossible to, to, to follow the whole scope mm-hmm. of donut economics. Yeah. But I wrote down here, and I actually spent quite a bit of my time today exploring this more, yeah. uh, develop a better understanding of publishing and distributing open educational resources. Oh. So this is about yeah. developing yeah. Uh, educational resources yeah. as a commons. Yeah. Uh, and I found out that, for instance, the Hewlett Foundation, yeah. uh, one of the founders of Hewlett-Packard, mm-hmm. is also uh, quite active in that. And it made me rediscover... So, uh, yeah, this passion. I think, actually, we could have a shared passion Yeah, I think um, we do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, th- that is a very particular kind of commons mm-hmm. uh, with a particular kind of uh, uh, market mm-hmm. that may not be a market. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. It's so a commons. That, <laughs> it's a way well, of but provisioning. <laughs> no, but I, I, with H3Uni, uh, we, we have been... Uh, I've been talking with people from... Uh, Oh my gosh, uh, what are they called? One of the McGraw Hill, mm-hmm. one of the biggest yeah, yeah. Or, uh, educational publishers yeah. in the US. Um, and it, no, well, it's, also, it's also clear that that is still, you know, uh, a traditional business. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas if you, if you organize educational resources more in a commons, it's, it's really disruptive, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Love it. So that's me. Love and it. how about your bucket list? My bucket list is actually something that's been on my bucket list for a while. Uh, and I it was triggered again by this chapter. And that's the whole concept of blockchain. I mean, it's so okay. in the mainstream as a term. But again, as a mm-hmm. term in itself, I understand the very minimum of it. But I want to learn mm-hmm. more. I just want to learn. And I, I actually, I, I bought a book about a year ago or something about blockchain. So perhaps it's time to start reading it and just, just learn a little bit. Go beyond the basics for this. Cause, uh, so is it is it about understanding uh, what a blockchain can has to offer? Or uh, do you have a specific application in mind? 
No, not really a specific application, but I just see it popping up in just so many, like, also new applications, right? It's just not, first it was just the currency and it was Bitcoin, but now almost like every new thing that, that's, that's, that, that is being invented, it, 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 you know, it, it runs on blockchain or it runs on the blockchain principle, you know? So I just, yeah. I just want to learn a little bit more about it to, to understand myself, what the possibilities are, but, but also where, where it actually is, because I feel there's also still a lot of, um, you know, pitfalls with it as well. So just to understand mm. it better. Well, for technology, it is, I think, the uh, most uh, extreme uh, type of uh, construct out there mm-hmm. that, that is really focused on distribution, yeah. distributed systems. Yeah. So it is in terms of distributive by design, mm. that's indeed blockchain. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So that's mine, yeah. yeah. But I'm also going to join, I mean, the bucket list for me is a, a joint bucket list. <laughs> so uh, definitely interested in what you mentioned as well. Hmm. Okay, maybe we can develop open educational resources on blockchain. But also, but then I think there's a lot of stuff out there already. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So we don't have to do things ourselves or uh, that much, or you know, sometimes you just have to curate uh, what's out there. Yeah, you have to curate, you have to find it, and then just apply it to your own little bubble again. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so let's say goodbye to our listeners. It was really fun. Next I actually, week. I actually yeah. met somebody who said to me, "Oh, I, I listened to your podcast, the Dutch series, though, uh, when mm-hmm. I'm uh, on the treadmill in the gym." You know, I said, "Oh, that's a that's a good one." <laughs> So we yeah. should promote we should promote the podcast more. Say okay when you go to the gym, listen to us. Uh, yeah, and but but then we say no pain, no pain. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just a joke, of course. So take it slow. Be gentle on yourself, and you know, be gentle on everybody in the gym. Spread love. Uh, spread the word. Spread love. Spread donuts. <laughs> Okay, Rita, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Talk to you next week. Okay, bye-bye.